Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. All of us in California know the uncontrollable power of fire. We know that fiery furnace of destruction that sweeps over homes and forests and wild grasslands. And every one of us also knows the power of words. Words that can scorch our lives with searing pain. Words that can bestow blessing and forgiveness alike. There is such power in words. From the moment in creating the universe when God said, let there be light and there was light, to the moment when your mother and father first spoke your name and love warmed you through and through, there is power at work in words. And there is such responsibility in the use of language. Repeatedly in the Bible, people have to be commanded to use the power of words only for good. And we generally get commanded to do the things we don't want to do. Creating falsehood is forbidden in the Ten Commandments. And James dramatizes the destructive power of misrepresentation in words by linking the tongue and fire. False speech causes conflagrations that disrupt social relationships, skew policies, propel social life and economics in ways that make neighborly living, dependent as it is on truth, impossible. And in our contemporary community, it sometimes seems as though destructive counterculture community language runs as rampant as wildfire. Now, if we were to look for a set point in which that deliberate destruction of neighborly community began, perhaps we could begin about 1970 when the Rolling Stones chose as their identifying sign a painting modeled on the sensuous open lips and protruding tongue of Mick Jagger. That's now one of the world's most often recognized graphics, even by people like me, who are going to be disciplined in purgatory by being forced to listen to the Rolling Stones. <laughs> And I don't even believe in purgatory. <laughs> the Rolling Stones were leaders. They weren't the only ones, so I'm not inveighing against the Rolling Stones. But they were leaders, as were others, in the movement toward counterculture music and art that rejected what they perceived to be stagnant, elitist attitudes. And since then, photographs of people in the news and advertisements even in fashion advertising, show lots of individuals with their mouths wide open. You can see right down to the tonsils of Miley Cyrus. <laughs> Tongues hang from the open mouth, they are curled, they flop, and they are sure flapping. Those photos are a small feature of the public and private crudity which has been on the rise in the United States from about the time that bands like the Rolling Stones and their counterparts in America began to perform. 
public and private rudeness is widespread, especially on the internet, where comments can be anonymous with no one taking responsibility for hate-filled comments. Shock jock and talk radio showcases announcers who spew a constant stream of invective and blatant put-downs. And it's hard to imagine anything more corrosive to civil life than some of the words of our elected leaders. You may remember that discourteous outburst back in 2009 when Joe Wilson, the congressional representative from South Carolina, shrieked out, you lie, at President Obama during his formal address to the joint houses of Congress. And what gets said often reveals a stunning lack of the wisdom that is so well portrayed in our lesson from Proverbs. In 2012, former Missouri Representative Todd Aiken commented on abortion in the case of rape, saying, and I quote, from what I understand from doctors, that's really rare. If it's a legitimate rape, the female body has ways to try to shut that whole thing down. That is, if it's really legitimate rape, the woman's body isn't likely to allow a pregnancy. I wouldn't count on that. What was Aiken thinking? How and why could someone supposedly so smart say something so obviously false. Now, I confess, I confess to you, my brothers and sisters, I know how compromised I am by the collective rudeness of our present culture. It's contagious to be crude. I am tempted every day to let nasty language fly out of my mouth at the same time that I am appalled by the lewd, coarse, racist epithets hurled forth so freely in our society. And that's true even when I have to say to myself, bite your tongue, girl. <laughs> Every one of us has sinned against God by our misuse of the divine gift of language. James understood us so well, and he understood speech. Speech summons worlds into being, and speech may destroy or disrupt worlds. We who listen to the faith of this letter from James are wakened to the discipline of truthful, faithful speech. The word of life requires attentive discipline in order to counter the many words of death all around us. And y'all know, once our words are spoken, they have a tremendous power for good or for evil. Words can exclude or embrace, heal or humiliate. Gossip insinuations, character destruction by inference are not only humiliated to the one being talked about, but they are destructive to the entire fabric of civilized community. And the ragingly cold silence of those who refuse in anger even to speak to a person again while resisting discussing the cause for their silence use another destructive power of language. What we say to each other can create peace 
can voice love, or what we say can be full of deadly poison, killing relationships, perverting truth, creating divisions and promoting hatred and violence. James asks us, do we praise our maker with the same mouth we use to whine, complain, gossip, belittle, speak unkindly half-truths? I gotta tell you, I do. And I'd be willing to say that every one of us who is aware of truth knows that the answer has to be, well, yeah, I do. You've been there, haven't you? Said something and suddenly realized what an awful thing has just been spoken and wanted desperately to take it back. But there are no backsies to the spoken word. It hangs out there and it cannot be unsaid. Just a couple of weeks ago, in Annie's first sermon shared with us, she spoke of her own intention with us to practice listening before speaking and suggested that we might make that intention ours too. James commends that as a spiritual discipline good for us and beneficial to our neighbors. Everyone, James says, should be quick to listen and slow to speak. I think we can hasten the process of tongue control by learning to think before we speak. And in fact, T-H-I-N-K can become a way to ask five questions before we speak. Is it true? Is it helpful? Will what I say be inspiring? Is this a necessary thing to say? Is it kind? Holy Scripture tells us to encourage one another in our words. For so before any talk passes our tongues, let's ask, in these words, are we energizing ourselves and others for doing good? Do we speak words of death or words of life? Let's choose together this week as we T-H-I-N-K think ahead of our words to speak at least once a day to affirm and encourage another person. And while we are in the process of managing our own words, Let's also be learning to counter the perversion of language and gesture going on in our community and national life. We do not have any silent here. We can stand up and say, that's not acceptable. You may not scream at people, interrupt, get into someone's face. You may not bully or call names. You may not make blanket aspersions. We need God's power in our lives to reclaim the divine beauty of language, to pour goodness and holiness into what is said in our own words and actions and in our nation as well. For whether people say so or not, there are those who look to us who profess a religious faith to demonstrate a godly model of life. They want from us an antidote 
to the poisonous language so toxic to our nation's health. And it is in the power of God that we become examples and models of health for others. Before James completes his letter, he affirms to us that the tongue can also bless the Lord and Father. Let's you and me claim that blessing as we listen actively, talk less, think before we speak, and build up others with godly relationship. For these are contagious actions for good. Others will come to learn from our example how to place their confidence in the holiness of language with all its fiery power for creative good. Let us pray. In the words of the hymn writer Carolyn Gillette, O oh Lord, may all we say and do reflect the faith we have in you. For faith is meant to change the way we live our lives from day to day. Just as a spark can start a fire, our words can damage or inspire. We pray for wisdom from above to speak and act in gentle love. Amen.